The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up high, and shout, this is my Bible. Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will hear from God's word. And my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Today I want to share with you quickly a sermon that I've titled The Next Ten. Basically what I want to attempt to do this morning is to, just like I said before, help you not sleepwalk through the next decade. Amen. We want to help you have a vision to shoot at. And what's awesome about God's vision for you is that it's always bigger than your vision for yourself. Because God has big plans for every single one of us. Amen. And so during faith week, we're going to be praying. And I know God is going to reveal to uh, all of us his big vision, his big plan uh, for us. Just like he did uh, with Joseph. How many of you remember the story of Joseph? Uh, Joseph had a vision. He had a dream revealed to him by God. And uh, this vision was so awesome. And it was in HD form. And uh, when Joseph saw it, he shared it with his brothers. He said, man, I saw that God is promoting me and that God is going to elevate me to a place of authority where you are going to bow down to me. And then the brothers got angry and they sold him. Uh, But uh, uh, Joseph did not uh, let go of that uh, vision that was in front of him. Amen. In fact, he let that big picture vision that was in front of him inform every other decision or choice that he made before he achieved it. And that's what God wants you to do, I believe, in this season. He wants you to see uh, yourself, what you're going to look like in 2030, and work your way backwards and begin to set your New Year's resolutions based on His vision for you. Can I get an amen? amen? Because once you have that vision in front of you and you track back and you start to set your day-to-day goals, your yearly goals, your weekly goals, and so on and so forth, it's going to help you stay on course with something to shoot at. You know, uh, Joseph realized God was bringing him into such a place of influence and affluence, and he had no time for pettiness. See, when you have a big vision in front of you, uh, you're not going to entertain any pettiness. You know, Joseph realized he didn't have any uh, time to get offended at his brothers, even though what they had done to him uh, was a good cause for some offense in his heart. But he just realized the vision was too big to get petty. And, and, and Joseph realized when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife that, you know, just some, some, some pleasure for a moment was not worth disrupting the big vision uh, that was in front of him. And it's the same thing. Once God reveals to you your big vision, it's going to bring about some discipline. It's going to bring, bring about some focus. Scripture says in uh, Proverbs 29 verse 18, where there is no vision... Or in other words, when people do not have a big picture vision in front of them, it says people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. In other words, where there is no vision, uh, uh, people become ill-disciplined. 
Where there is no vision, anything goes. Yeah. <coughs> See, when you don't have a vision, someone will just pick up the phone and say, Hey, Baba, what are you doing? Nothing. Oh, can I come and pick you up so we can do some more nothing together? Yeah, come and pick me up. And then they pick you up and you do some more nothing together. You know why? Because there's not a big picture vision in front of you. Amen? But when God gives you the vision, and I keep insisting when God gives you the vision, because this kind of vision that I'm talking about is not what the motivational speakers uh, are talking about. It's a different kind of vision that I'm sharing. And I'm not knocking them. I love them. We all need some motivation. When they say vision board, they're talking about going on vacation to Mauritius. I'm talking about something far greater than that. I'm talking about God's uh, plan for your life even before the beginning and the foundations of the world. Yeah. I'm talking about God's eternal plan for your life. Amen. Amen. Man, you can go to Mauritius. You should go to Mauritius. You should go to Hawaii. But this vision that I'm talking about is something that when you accomplish, you're going to get to heaven and God will look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. It's a God vision. And this kind of vision that I'm talking about, you cannot copy and paste it. You can't look at what your neighbor is doing and say, you know what? Control uh, Z. Or control what? C. Control C. For all the MacBook. For all the MacBook users. Control C. And then paste control V. Control V. Okay, all right. I just learned something this morning. You can't copy and paste it. Because God created you to be you. And the only time you ever become significant is when you choose to be you. Amen. And so our prayer this week is that God may reveal this big picture vision to you. And what I so love about when God, when you get onto God's vision, is that, man, there is the least amount of effort in God's vision. You know why? Because it's His vision after all, and He gets to provide for His vision. When God gives you a vision, He also brings provision with it. Amen? And so let's go to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, I want to read from verse 1 uh, to 2. Psalm 127, uh, verse 1 to 2. Scripture says, Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman worketh but in vain. So I know some of you read that scripture and you're thinking, yeah, Pastor T, that's a great scripture, but I'm not building anything right now. I'm not in the middle of any kind of building project, so it doesn't apply to me. Now, the scripture is using uh, building a house as a metaphor for building a prosperous, godly life. Amen. 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 So you could read it this way, except the Lord builds your life, they labor in vain that build it. So when you try to build your own life according to your own method and your own resources, it's going to be in vain and it's going to be a lot of hard work. I was saying in the first service, there's a difference between God ideas, which is God's vision, and good ideas. And the difference is the power that is in it. God ideas always come preloaded and prepacked with God's kind of power. And good ideas... Oh, man, you better be ready to generate some power to just sustain them. I'm not talking about breakthrough, just to keep it afloat. If it's a good idea, man, you're going to have to work 
a little extra just to keep it afloat. So you know what would be a great thing to do? It would be to find out what God is doing and get on to what God is doing. And guess what? Let God do it through you. So there are two ways to build. You can either build with God and let the Lord build it through you, or you can build it yourself. A few months ago, I was in, uh, uh, in the UK, in uh, Birmingham, and a friend of mine, uh, Chester, he was the best man at my wedding. He came to pick us up, uh, me and Dillian, and as he fetched us, he gave me a, a SIM card, and uh, he gave me that card. He said, hey, Tafara, I just thought you would need this while you're here. So I took the card, and I put it in my phone, and he said, man, it's got all the minutes that you'll ever need and all the data that you'll ever need. I said, how much data is that? He says, everything you'll ever need for the next five days. You cannot exhaust the data that I've put in this. I won't tell you how much, but it's a lot. And that's what happens when you receive God's vision. It comes preloaded with every single good thing that you'll ever need that pertains to life and godliness. And all you have to do is to stay in course and stay on course. And God will bring the necessary resources. He will bring the necessary people. He will bring the necessary tools. Man, God will just bring them on your way so that you can get to do the things that God has called you to do. Amen? I remember a few years ago when God, you know, instructed me to write the book, uh, Grace in the Marketplace. And I've shared the story with you before. I was a little reluctant because I'd already written four books prior to that. And I said, Lord, if you're going to do something special, why don't you use the other four that I've already written? And the Lord said, I want you to write this one. (laughs) And I told my wife, I said, you know what? I just heard the Lord. And he said, she said, what did he say? He said, I must write this book, Grace in the Market. And she says, well, I think you should write it. I said, I'm not sure I want to write it. She said, but that would be disobedient. I said, man, I'm just, because I know what it takes to write a book. It's going to be a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of work and a season of just craziness. And I wasn't ready, but the Lord had told me, write this book. And through this book, I'm going to open doors for you. So ultimately, you know, I decided I was going to write it. So I employed Pastor Henry. I brought him on the team so we could share on the sleepless nights. So he was working with me. And you take half of them and I'll take, you know, the other half. And so, you know, he did what I asked him to do and I wrote the book. And then when I finished writing the book, you know, literally this book has opened doors for me. Uh, some of you know next month I'm going to be preaching at uh, Billy Earphart's conference in Denver, Colorado. And right after that, I'm going to be in Los Angeles in Hollywood talking to actors and actresses uh, about grace in the marketplace. And I could have missed that if I had gone with my own vision. Yeah. And I didn't even know what the Lord intended to put in the book. In fact, most books that I write, I don't even know what God is going to put in it. I just start writing and I spend lots of time just listening to God and putting it down on paper. And man, it makes me look good. Because when people come to me and they say, but you say this in your book, Grace in the Market. I said, really? say, yeah. I said, did I say that? They say, yeah, you did. I said, man, that's awesome. Amen? And that's what we're believing God for uh, through the next seven days. We are believing God is going to give you an idea, a God idea. In fact, I declare this morning that God will give you a God idea that is tailor-made for you and not for your neighbor. That is going to open doors for you globally. Amen? We paralyze the spirit of copy and paste. It's not going to exist in this place. Man, you're going to be happy with you. You're going to be happy being in your own skin and being yourself. And God is going to use that to change people's lives. 
Can I get an amen? amen. And so that's what happened. And uh, I was sharing in the first service that, you know, in the first month of planning this conference in Los Angeles, we didn't even have speakers. And we didn't know who was going to come out to speak. And, you know, we were talking to our partner in uh, Los Angeles and praying that God would bring some people on board uh, to this conference, grace in the marketplace, and help us, you know, uh, minister the gospel. To cut the long story short, God has brought two phenomenal speakers. Uh, The other one has been uh, 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 in, uh, uh, I only found out that he's been a big superstar on one of the TV shows, Oxygen Shows. And so on and so forth. Yeah, preachers in LA, I'd have almost forgotten. He was the good guy in preachers. He was a good preacher. He was a good guy in, in preachers of LA. Amen. And, and the other one is uh, uh, Sophia. Sophia Luke, married to Derek Luke. And I found out again last week because I don't watch a lot of movies because you know I don't like movies where you get to think to watch it. Because I believe movies is entertainment. Just bring out the guns and start shooting at each other. And just, you know, just show me who the good guys and the bad guys and just chase them and shoot them and blow up some stuff along the way. And I don't like movies where you have to think, so who, who? What? I don't like that. So I found out this guy is apparently a big superstar in, uh, in Hollywood and what blesses me so much uh, is that they have been married for 22 years and it's a sign, it's a testimony of uh, their commitment to each other and their commitment to their marriage, and they are believers. And so God has just brought these people, and it all started as a God idea, which was a seed form idea. So I want to share with you this morning, that is your fasting. God may just give you one word. Hold on to that word until it is fully formed. Be faithful in holding on to that word until it is fully formed and it's changing people's lives Amen. all over the world. Amen? So someone shout, I am, am. going to build with God. So here's how to let the Lord build the next stand with you. The first thing you're going to have to uh, do is to commit to building solely on one thing. And that one thing is God's word. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 7. And we're going to read from verse 24 uh, to 27 in the Message Bible, if you will. Matthew chapter number 7, verse 24 to uh, 27. If you have it, you can say, I have it. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, This is Jesus speaking. And this is what uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, said uh, in the Word. He says, these words uh, that I speak to you, and he was talking primarily about the words that he was sharing with his disciples, and ultimately about the entirety of God's Word. Amen? And so Jesus is saying, God's Word... These words that I speak to you, they are not incidental additions to your life. They are not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. In other words, you just don't run to God's word when you need something. Amen. They are not to be homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words. Someone say foundational words. How many of you know that the foundation is important? You know, when they were building uh, uh, the four ways, the new four ways mall, we had the privilege to see them uh, dig the foundation. And man, it was just uh, nothing. They were just going down and just digging deep. And we were wondering what, what that was all about. And now when they finally finished building the building, we were like, okay, now we see why they were uh, focusing so much on the foundation. 
Scripture says if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So all of us need a solid foundation to stand on if we're going to live a prosperous life. Can I get an amen? amen? He says, man, these are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter. Someone shout, I am a smart carpenter. He says, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved. That house, it was fixed on the rock. But, someone say but. Oh, on the flip side, he's about to show us the other side of this principle that he just shared with us. But, if you just use my words in Bible studies, again, who's saying this? Jesus. I need need to to make sure that you know that it's not Tafara saying this. (laughs) I need to make sure that you know it's not Pastor T. It is Jesus saying this. Can I get an amen? amen? So this is Jesus, the one that you call your Lord and your Savior, the one you love dearly. He's saying this back to you because he loves you so much. And Jesus says, but if you just use my words in Bible studies, apparently in Jesus' estimation, there's a group of people that just use his words in Bible study. And don't work them into their life. You are like a what? I didn't hear that. You're like a what? Again, it's not Pastor T saying it. Who's saying it? Man, I'm so glad it's not me. Because <laughs> I can't believe saying this. And then, you know, it's the first Sunday of the year 20. You know, I did my New Year's resolution. And on the first day that I decided to go to church, the pastor had the audacity to stand up and call me stupid. No, this is not Pastor T. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life. In other words, we definitely must use his words in Bible studies, but we must also work them into our lives. Do you get that? We must make sure that we act on it. We act on God's word. He says, if you don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. You know, the Holy Spirit drew my attention to something that's so powerful about these two houses. He told me, he said to Farah, there was nothing wrong about the house. In fact, this house that was built on a sandy beach, it was a beautiful house. It, was, it had all the, the nice rooms and, 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 and suites in all the rooms. I mean, this was a beautiful house. It had a scullery. It had a, a, a swimming pool. It was a, nothing wrong with the house. The only thing that was wrong with it was where it was founded. Where it was built, the foundation that it was built on. He says, if you build your house, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. What's the next word? When. when. Did you see that? Yeah. Notice he didn't say if. He said what? When. Come on, I didn't hear that. When. I did not hear that. When. Preach with me. When. He didn't say if. He said when. What that means is, storm is coming. Oh, Pastor T, I can't believe that. Well, that's not me, it's Jesus. He's saying, when the storm rolled in. So after God has shown you this big picture, this big vision picture, as you start taking steps towards that big vision picture, there's going to be opposition. That's what he's saying. 
And your success to go through it is going to be based on whether you're founded on God's word, whether you've decided to work God's word into your life, or you're still using God's word in Bible studies and not working it into your life. The reason why Joseph could go through the pit, he went through the prison, all the way to the palace, was because he was founded on God's word. His His feet... Were, 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 were sown, if you may, they were firmly founded on the foundation of God's word. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. And if you do that, man, man, I'm telling you, if you do that, your marriage may have gone through the pit, it may have gone through the prison, but I can assure you, if you are founded on God's word, your marriage is going to end up in the palace. That's right. Amen. 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 Your ministry, I'm telling you, man, if your life is founded on God's word, and not on people and not on all the extra stuff that we like to, to, to base our lives on. If it's founded on God's word, you can go through the pit. You can go through the prison all the way into the palace. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. When the storms rolled in, the waves came up. Next verse. It collapsed like a what? This house collapsed like a house of cards. But when the storm rolled in, on the other house, which was founded on God's word, Scripture said, nothing moved. Did you read that? He said they had opposition in their ministry. Nothing moved. They had opposition in their workplace. Nothing moved. Opposition in their marriage. Nothing moved. Opposition in their business. Nothing moved. you know why? Because they were founded on God's word. So as we chatter this brand new decade... Man, you need to make a commitment. You need to make a decision that my life is going to be solely governed by the Word of God. I'm going to let the Word of God be my ultimate truth. And not the circumstances. What God says about my life is the only thing that's going to count. Let's go to Proverbs chapter number 14, verse 12. Proverbs Chapter number 14, verse 12. This is what it says. It says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. So I'm, I'm telling you, as you go through uh, this journey in the next 10 years, uh, there's going to be some of your opinions uh, that are going to seem more superior to the word of God. There's going to be some opinions that you're going to have, and some of them you're going to be so attached to them emotionally, and you will convince yourself of them that, man, this has got to be the truth. This has got to be the right way to go. And Scripture says it may seem right unto a man, but the end thereof is going to be the ways of death, the ways of destruction. And so what we need to do is to put ourselves in a place where There is no greater opinion than God's word. I was saying in the first service, man, I learned uh, uh, throughout uh, uh, my years in ministry, and it's something that, you know, the Lord uh, revealed to me, and it may take uh, a lot to convince some people about it, but I've learned that God knows more than I do. Man, it would take a lot to convince some people. But I've learned that, you know what? I need to run a white flag and submit myself 
to what God has to say. Because guess what? God knows more about me. If God shows up and we have a little bit of oil left in the jar and he says, give it away, you know what? God knows more than I do. Amen. Amen. If God shows up to the pool of Bethsaida and there's a process, there's a system that used to work before an angel comes and he stirs up the water, whoever jumps first gets healed. If God shows up and he says, we're not going to do it that way, we're just going to ask you to pick up your bed and walk. Guess what? God knows more than I do. Even though it goes contrary to the system of man or the system that has worked before, I'm going in with God because God knows more than I do. Amen? And when you do that, I'm telling you, we'll look back, standing at the uh, uh, climax of 2030, and look back and say, surely the Lord did some great things with us in the past 10 years. Let's go now to Genesis chapter number 15. I want to read from verse 5. If you're taking down notes, write this down. The second thing you ought to do to let the Lord build through you is to see the future in God's eyes. See your future in God's eyes. Do not see your future in your own eyes. Always see it through God's eyes. In Genesis 15 verse 5, it's talking about Abraham, and he was sleeping in the tent, and, uh, you know, the Lord uh, came to him, and Scripture says he brought him forth abroad out of the tent and said, look now towards heaven. How many of you know that if the Lord had just said to him while he was in the tent, look up, the only thing he could see was the roof of the tent. The only thing he could have seen was the limitation. The only thing he could have seen was his immediate environment and nothing beyond that. And for Abraham, his immediate environment was he was at this time 100 years old. He had never had a child. His wife, 75 years old, and she was barren. had never had a child. And if he had related to life... From that point onwards to his immediate environment, all he would have known was limitations and impossibility. Amen? But no, God wanted him to step out of the tent and look up. And scripture said when he looked up, here's what the Lord said to him, look now towards the heaven. Man, I like that word heaven. That word heaven in the Greek is oranos, which means a pushing out. Heaven is always giving towards you. Amen? It speaks of potential, an endless supply of resources from above. Amen? He says, can you number the stars? If you'll be able to number them, and he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. No one can number the stars in the sky. They are infinite. So is your potential when you look at it from God's perspective. Someone shout, I am limitless. I am limitless. This is why all the Old Testament saints would say all kinds of crazy things in their writings because they had a revelation with heaven. They had a revelation with God's kind of potential and it dawned on them that all this potential was available to their disposal to use to impact and change people's lives. This is why David could say stuff like, I can run through a troop and scale over walls. Where did you get that from? Because I just found out who I am in Christ. I just found out what's at my disposal. This is why David could say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares to come against the 
armies of the living God. Right. Today, I'm going to cut you. Where did he get that audacity? Today, I'm going to cut your head and feed your carcasses to the birds. Man, you'll start to trash talk the next 10 years. Man, you'll start to say, the next 10 is a piece of cake. Amen. Man, people will think you're crazy. This is why Samson knew that as long as he had hair on his head, unstoppable. Because as long as I'm in obedience, guess what? All of the resources of heaven are at my disposal. And I can do mighty and awesome things. Amen? Amen. But we have to look at life through the lens of heaven. And not, oh, I'm going to get into trouble. And not through the lens of your bank account. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. Amen. Okay, let me just short circuit. If you were even thinking about looking at the next 10 years through the lens of your bank account, I don't care how much you got. Let's see if you can stop working now and just spend all you got in your bank account for the next 10. Oh, no, Pastor. <laughs> ten years? Ten days. I don't know if I can do that. Amen? And so God does not want you to depend on you. He wants you to depend on him. But you're going to have to start letting God's words paint on the canvas of your imagination. The reason why I say it, you're going to have to let the word of God be your foundation is this. It is God's word that will ultimately paint on the canvas of your imagination. And it is ultimately what gets painted on the canvas of your imagination that becomes uh, 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 of your life in the next 10 years. That get, goes into manifestation. Scripture says in Proverbs 23 verse 7, as a man thinks in his Notice he didn't say as a man thinks in his brain. Did you read that? He said as a man thinks in his heart. And by heart he's not talking about the blood pumping organ. He's saying as a man thinks at the core of his being. That's who he is. And so God wants to change the secretary right at the core of your being. God wants you to think prosperity right at the internal circuit of your mind and your thinking. God wants you to think divine health right on the inside of them. That's why scripture says he sent his word and healed them. Basically, when God sent his word, his word was the paint with the paintbrush, and he wanted them to take that word, and as they read it to themselves, begin to develop new pictures on the inside of them. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, as you read God's word, why don't you let God's word begin to paint new pictures of possibility in your heart? Amen. Amen. Don't let the newspaper paint the possibilities of what can be accomplished by a person of your age, of your race, of your income uh, 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 bracket, and so on and so forth. Man, let God's word be the one that determines what you can and cannot do. And God is putting no limits on you. Amen? Amen. God has literally deposited to all of us 365 times 10 for the next 10, and you loaded with potential, infinite potential. 
what you can do with it. Man, I could go back to the last 10 years and share with you the things that the Lord has done in my life. Man, it's mind-blowing. And I can't even wait to see what the Lord has deposited in the next 10. But all I know is it is going to be awesome. Yes. Yes. And so God says to Abraham, look up. Look at how many stars there are in the sky. So shall your seed be. God said to Abraham, I'm going to change your name. You are no longer to be called Abraham, but you are to be called who? Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made you. So what God was doing is he was giving him a new picture. He was giving him a new name that would paint new pictures in his heart. Can you imagine Abraham going to home affairs and saying, man, I am here for a name change. What are you here for? I'm here to change my name. From who? From Abraham. To who? To Abraham. What does that mean? That means father of many nations. Oh, Wena, you must have a lot of children then. (laughs) It is at that point where you're going to go all in or back down. Oh, no, actually, I was just kidding. You know, I don't have any kids. Anyway, forget the name change. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go back and live the way I was living. Oh, I'm pressing in and I'm going with the name change. And every time someone called him Abraham, he had a new mental picture formed in his heart. Father of many nations. And scripture says in Romans chapter number 4 verse 17, he held on to his hope. Contrary to hope. He knew that who had promised was also faithful to bring it to pass. And God brought it to pass. Man, I'm telling you. You need to change the mental pictures in your heart. Let us go now and read Genesis chapter number 30 from verse 31 uh, to 43. Someone shout the next 10. The next 10. Are my best 10. Scripture says faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. The evidence of things what? You may not see it in this physical realm, but you can see it in your heart. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Amen. Man, you don't have to see it in this physical realm, but you can see it in your heart. And that's what faith is. Faith is seeing God's possibility in your heart. That's all faith is. I used to think faith was a feeling. I used to think faith was something that comes up on you as a goosebump. You know, you're singing the fast songs, and then as you transition from the fast song, you get into the slow ones, and as you get into the slower ones, oh, man, you start getting hypnotized, and as you get lightheaded, faith comes up on you. Oh, faith is here. Faith is here. Stop what you're doing, and you start laying hands on things. Oh, faith is here, and things start getting healed, and then faith is gone. Oh, faith is gone, guys. We're going to have to do it again next week. No, faith is not a feeling. Faith is a mindset. Hunt your neighbor and tell them faith is a mindset. In fact, simply put, faith is this. Being single-minded. Because doubt is being double-minded. Faith is being single-minded. Man, I'm almost tempted to speak in tongues. Faith is chanda guinira. That was Portuguese. Faith is holding on to one thing until you see it come to pass. Amen? Faith is being single in your focus. Scripture says if our eyes 
are single, then our entire lives, our entire bodies are going to be filled with light. So what faith is, is being fully persuaded. Where do you get fully persuaded? It is being fully convinced that the next 10 are going to be my best 10. It is being fully persuaded that the next 365 are even going to be better than the last 365. Why? Because God moves us from one level of glory to another level of glory. God has already told us that the latter glory shall be greater than the former glory. In other words, this thing is supposed to get better. Like wine. No, 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 I can't believe I said that. Like juice. Like grape juice. Like appetizer. Amen. And this, aren't you never say this thing is supposed to get better? Those of you who are married, tap your spouse and say, We are supposed to get stronger. We are supposed to get sweeter. We are supposed to get better. And we are supposed to get younger. That's what scripture says. It says it satisfies our mouths with good things, and our youth is renewed like that of an eagle. And I believe that. Amen. That's why I'm wearing my colorful shoes. Oh, yeah. I knew you were going there. Someone like, Pastor, you old. You can't be wearing shoes like... No, you are old. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Thanks, Joseph Z. Joseph bought me these shoes, man. Thanks, Joseph. Praise the Lord. If you're going to get me shoes, just make sure it's Air Jordan 1. It's only shoes. It's only size 10. Genesis 30 from verse 31 to 33. This is Laban talking to Jacob. He said, so what should I pay you? Jacob said, you don't have to pay me a thing. How about this? I have to stop because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.